0: In 1988, the British Broadcasting Corporation released the first episode of their children's miniseries based on C.S. Lewis's beloved books, The Chronicles of Narnia. The series was well-received and even nominated for an Emmy in the category of Outstanding Children's Program. After the success of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Disney decided that maybe it was time for them to take a swing at C.S. Lewis's beloved series. In 2005, the first film of the planned franchise was released to... Generally favorable reviews. That was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And this is Godfellas.
1: Saddle
0: up with McGee and me as we head on an adventure in Odyssey. We'll focus on the family with the veggie tail. It's the greatest adventure with great detail.
1: Godfellas, Christian Media gets a rewind
0: Hello friends, I'm Mr. Zach.
1: I'm Mr. Mitch.
0: Welcome to Godfellas, a small group that meets online. And today we are talking about C.S. Lewis's different interpretations of The Lion The Witch in the Wardrobe. But first, ladies and gentlemen, let your hearts be glad. Because we have another fantastic, amazing guest. He is a composer. He is a writer. He is a producer. He is an educator. He is he is a renaissance man. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together, unless you're driving, for Mr. Edward Mildpreis.
1: Yeah. We will come to his yeah. gates with Thanksgiving in our hearts. Oh, <laughs> a-
2: amen. Amen. Zach, I owe you a lot of money. I'll, I'll pay you next time I see you. Thank you so much great to be with you guys today. Looking forward Yay. to this.
1: Yes. We like Ed.
0: We love Ed. I like Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed, we wanted to have you on because uh, you had said that you grew up a little bit with the BBC rendition, correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. So the BBC edition uh, was kind of a staple in the house. I, I I don't really know why, and I don't know how. Like, I, I can't remember owning VHS tapes of it, certainly not DVDs mm. of it, but it's one of those things which... Uh, growing up, I remember seeing a lot and I remember being freaked right. out by the Slipping wolf every friggin' time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's part of, um, part of growing up, I think, particularly in in the, in the UK.
0: Nice, hmm. nice. And Narnia has a special meaning for Mitch and I, because Mitch and I met doing a production of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe.
1: We fell in love the summer we both <laughs> were on that show together. That's with right. Jesus. Yes. With Jesus. Fell in love with, with, with Jesus. Jesus. With, <laughs> Jesus. So with our Lord and Savior. That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And Ed, fun fact: I played the scary wolf. Right. in In that can show, you say, oh, can you I say? Can you say the name
1: now. in the voice you would do? F- I loved it.
0: I loved Fenrisulf, uh, F- captain of the secret police. Oh, the secret yeah. police. Loved it. Oh, <laughs> love chilling. It. Chilling. Yes. Yeah. Chilling. And, and uh, fun fact: Mitch played Aslan, and he would take naps during the first act of the show. Yeah, because
1: <laughs> spoiler: in the in the actual show, <laughs> Aslan doesn't do anything. <laughs>
0: Well, before we we get into more of what happens, so Ed, you are a very creative person. You're involved in a lot of really great um, immersive theater stuff. You also compose amazing, amazing, beautiful music. So I'm curious for you as a believer, how does your faith influence your creativity?
2: So I think there's this really interesting balancing act between being a Christian artist and an artist who is Christian. And I think that's something so many people are juggling with. Um, and what it means to be in those two fields because for me part of what i want to do is i want to be able to promote christianity through my actions through my deeds in the best possible light in areas that aren't necessarily expecting a christian influence so in some ways it it's this undercover Christian mission of being an influence to people without necessarily doing Christian focused art. But equally then, uh, within my role within the church as a, as a core pianist, as a, as a church pianist or writing music or whatever else, there's absolutely so much room for creativity using inspiration from some amazing hymn lyrics that we have over hundreds and hundreds of years and then looking at some of the music that comes out now and how composers for hundreds of years, going back to Bach and going back before that time, who have been writing music inspired by God, inspired by the Bible, by the scriptures, it's something that is a, a continual journey. And I think it's something that's exciting to be a part of in that sphere. So, yeah, there are two, two elements. There's the creativity within the church and then creativity outside of the church, which is really, uh, yeah, it's an interesting balancing balancing act.
1: When did you start composing? Ooh. Ed and I just met a few weeks ago, by the way, listeners at home, so I want to know more.
2: Yeah, so um, so I am a pastor's kid, so I, I'm the kid of, of ministers, and we moved around a lot. All three of All us, three of us, way, us pastor's are. kids. Oh, <laughs> we're such nerds. This is I great. <laughs> so we used to live in, we were in Australia, we were part of a church in Australia, and we, we moved back to England, and I moved to a new school. And I had to take French. Now, I had never taken French. And at this point, I was 13, 14 years old, and I hated it. Like, absolutely hated it. So, literally, for about half a term, like half a semester, I just didn't go to French class because the teacher didn't know who I was. What? And I just, this is honestly, honestly <laughs> oh, to man. God, this is true. I truth. didn't know I, was so I to so, a
1: rebel, a hookie oh, player. Oh, yeah.
2: So, <laughs> I went to the library because... I I mean, I am a nerd, but also I'm a library, in library, you could go on the computers and no one would bother you too much. And on the library computer, there was a program called Sibelius, which is a uh, composing program. And that's literally how I got started. It was bunking um off French class. And so I got to know this computer program and started um, making silly tunes and like started arranging video game music and did like a, like I did a version of Super Mario Brothers for like for trombone players who are at the school like that sort oh, of stuff wow. so that, that's how it got started and then took it more and more seriously and did classes at school and classes with uh, composer friends and things like that but yeah that's honest honest to goodness that's how it started it was because of not <laughs> wanting to do French.
1: Take that teachers he's laissez-competent <laughs> in French but he's a composer now so <laughs>
2: Je m'appelle composer Settle <laughs> up your home.
0: We're getting into our feast now, ladies and gentlemen. The meat and potatoes, as they say in England, of the show.
2: You mean the sa- so, you mean the sardines and toast? A- oh yes, oh
0: That's a movie yes. Reference, y'all. So, so quick question: Did either of you read the books growing up? Or no? I read
1: all the books. I all loved seven, the baby. books. All seven. These for nice. a pastor's kid, this was my Harry Potter until my parents said, "Yeah, you can read Harry Potter." <laughs> Uh it's uh, it was my intro to fantasy. I oh, was nice. a reader, you know, uh, until I tried to be cool in high school for a bit, but yeah, I was I was a big reader and fantasy was a it's a doorway to a lot of that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, 100% agreed. that was the gateway drug into the fantasy world and yeah, like vivid memories of reading these books. For me, particularly like the last chapter of the last battle was like a real moment of like wow, like this is fantasy that has an impact and like oh, I can feel the feels right now now the weird
1: thing is i don't remember much of the chronicles narnia books at all for some and i read them Mm. i definitely read them we had a big it was like all of it combined it was a giant book and i would read it in the bathtub and like it got destroyed by the time i finished it like it it was a gnarled gross (laughs) copy yeah but like we had that that was our copy of the chronicles but i don't remember any of it and i can recite Like monologues and passages from Harry Potter. So I don't know if that was just more my ish, but I don't know. There's something about the books that it just didn't grab me the same way.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of walking around in the books. Like we go, we're walking here, we're walking here, and then the end, like something happens. So, um, Mitch, you were unfamiliar with the BBC version yeah. prior to me bringing this episode up, right? I didn't
1: even know so, there was, yeah, I didn't know there were, cause I said to Zach uh, earlier today, hey, what, which British version are we supposed to watch besides the, the Disney one I like? Uh, and there's like eight versions. <laughs> there's yeah, so that many animated
0: version is rough yeah there's a <laughs> lot of,
1: there's, there's like podcasts and audiobooks and there's <laughs> anything everything there you could want
0: mitch i'm curious as someone who doesn't have the nostalgia goggles i'm curious what you thought of uh this 1988 version
1: well we'll get into the other one later but here's what uh, my preamble yes. for the other one it commits the greatest sin of like a fantasy thing for me which is just like it's bland and unmemorable similar to the books the way way i kind of just described them (laughs) it didn't feel like i was in a fantasy world uh this older version to me did feel more fantastical uh obviously it looks like it's made for tv and like it's something your teacher would put on when they weren't went out drinking the night before but I did appreciate the weirdness. I I felt like I was in a different place. I, and mm. uh, my big thing is the performances in the newer one, I think are super uh, just underdone. Like they're, not the kids aren't directed at all these kids in the older version they may not be good actors but they are loud and they are uh giving it a lot you know so i i at least yeah. respect that they're like i'm edmund and i'm very cross and i'm like yeah this is this is what i wanted not like just kind of moody you know teen ed so i i liked it a lot more
0: right right gotcha um so ed re-watching it now how did how did you take it
2: So, in order to watch uh, watch it all in time for for the podcast, being completely honest, I watched it on 1.75 times speed. Um,
0: (laughs) That might be the way to do it. And to
2: be honest, it still works, and it still fits all the bill. I mean, obviously, knowing it and and knowing... But it's amazing how, actually, even watching it at speed, there are moments where I was like, well, actually, I'm going to go back to normal speed, just a little bit, just to watch this scene happen, or this, because it was... There's some real memorable moments, and some amazing... One of, it's sort of like, like a Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. It's like mm-hmm. the weird scenes and things which are just ingrained in my head, and I don't know why, mm. um, but there are a couple of moments in there which are really, yeah, it, it takes you back, absolutely. Yeah, looking at it, it, it's made for TV, and there are times when it's slow, and there's times where you're waiting for something to happen, but actually, in a lot of ways, and again, going, I agree with Mitch completely, here it feels like I'm in the fantasy world as opposed to watching one. If that makes sense. And it takes yeah, its right. time walking through and going and here's a shot of this and here's that. And, and the kids feel like actual kids. Yes, uh, they feel yes. very stereotypical, very British, but they are mm. actual kids and they're responding yeah, to Yeah, was my
1: impression have... uh, not cool to do? I just realized this. <laughs> no, as I did. I was I, like, that wasn't I, awesome. It's <laughs> wonderful.
2: I, I wholeheartedly, uh, wholeheartedly <laughs> recommend the British accents, please. Lots of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> oh. Mary Poppins. Yes. Mine was worse please. than Dick Van Dyke, actually.
0: <laughs> You guys were talking about moments in particular that jumped out to you, and I'm curious as to what those are. I want to throw one out just to get started. I think the guy who plays Tumnus, and I can't remember his name, I think he's really great in the 88 version. Like He kind of seems like a nice, you know, not old man, but he seems like a sweet guy, like someone who you would go over to their house yes. for tea, and I like that. Kind of like, halfway through, he realizes, like, it clicks when he's talking about the witch, and all of a sudden he has a moment of, oh, I'm supposed to do something. The
2: woods were green, and the whole forest given up to jollification for weeks on end.
1: But why isn't it like that now?
2: Now it is winter. Endless winter. And always will be, unless... And until... And he
0: tries to do it right away. Yeah. And then, you know, she falls asleep, wakes up, and he's crying, which, and I don't want to talk about the new one too much. In the new one, it's like, Aslan has to come in and stop him. Whereas i like, no, Tumnus is just a good dude. Like, he's never going to kidnap her. Like, it's never going to happen. And I think his performance, the way that the character is written, the design of his home and his attire, it just, it really, that performance really works for me.
1: Here's, here's what I want to say about Tumnus. <laughs> <laughs> In the new one, because he is young and shirtless and, I'm going to say it, a sexy fawn, it it felt very uncomfortable because his role is to essentially seduce a young child to his home and kidnap them, right? And, you know, make them, you know, like drug them uh, to be handed over to the police. So in the McElvoy version, uh who plays Tumnus in the new one, it felt very shady. Whereas in the older version, this I agree. There were beats, there were, there was like a structure to the scene, like you could see the moment he remembered, I have a job to do, which made him feel more human to me. And again, he was older, so and that's that's not a good stereotype to have. Old people can be bad,
2: but it just it felt yeah.
1: it felt less creepy to me. I don't know.
2: Yes. Ed? No, I I absolutely agree. I mean, a couple of moments which, which leapt out on this, this reviewing. Um, the, the, the the moments where they say the name Aslan for the first time. And it's really corny to look at, but they all, all of the children have this moment of looking up into the sky and then enjoying just a word. Uh, The score in, in this, in this one is magical. And it's a very limited, like, orchestra, but like, but the French horn and, uh the oboe stuff that's going on and things that come back. That's where my head goes uh, as the yeah. composer type, but it's beautiful. Um moments um that really jump out. Like I say, the scary wolf. <laughs> when he when he starts reading the letter and then he commits he commits to yelling, roaring at the end of it. Um what's <laughs> what is what's the wolf's name? What is his name? Um Morgram is that one yeah. Oh, yeah. oh terrifying yeah. Morgrim, chief of police God, say, uh, long live the queen! Oh my gosh, that was like a <laughs> yeah. moment which I can remember, like having to like either fast forward or just stop it, like straight away. Me too. Um, yeah, yeah, and then some. I mean, Aslan just seeing this amazing puppet, which feels yeah. so real. Like it's oh, it's a puppet, mm. it's of its time, but it just feels so real. And when he, I love
0: the voice. Oh.
1: What is it? More magic?
2: Yes. More magic. It's a beautiful voice. The voice is so good, and I love that they don't feel like they have to do the the mouth moving in time with it; that they can just enjoy it for what it is. Mm. And uh, I mean, I think we'd be uh, it'd be criminal for us not to mention the White Witch.
1: Are you a great overgrown dwarf that has cut off his beard? Oh no, Your Majesty! I've never had a beard. I'm a boy. <gasps>
0: Do you mean, you are a son of Adam? I see you are an idiot. Whatever else you may be, answer my question
2: once and for all, or I shall lose my patience. Are you human?
0: She commits so hard that there's times where I don't know if she knows that she's in a in a
1: TV show. This, oh, this like if she's just some this is an area <laughs> where the crazy new one woman that they is got? way better to me. The White Witch was oh. totally lost for me. Yeah, I I didn't care for her in the old one.
0: Yeah. I don't agree.
1: I I, I thought it was cartoonish and it's a kid's thing. Don't get me wrong. It's a kid's thing. Uh, But I think the newer version, there was uh, a sense of danger, of. uh, Because she, I mean, she's a stand in for like Satan or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, this is spoiler alert, y'all. This is all like Jesus y stuff, right? So, (laughs) what? uh, So, I, you know, I thought to myself. I wouldn't be afraid of the white witch and the old one at all. There's nothing that would frighten really? me up this person. No. Yeah. Oh, right. Mitch. Is so, oh, oh yep.
2: I, uh, yeah. Her, her name uh, just I'm looking at the wiki. Barbara, Barbara Kellerman. Barbara Kellerman. And none the other thing is that none of these actors are particularly well known even in British circles. None of these are particularly celebs oh, really? or anything like yeah. that. Um It's a made-for-TV it's made for TV movie that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But she commits. Like she is the embodiment of evil and her her screams of saying "no" at um, Edmund, fasting for another scream, yeah. uh, for another piece of Turkish delight. Like it's those moments which are just magical. And like, like for me, it yeah, she she's Cruella absolutely. Yes. Like it, it's it's a it's a big choice, it's a big performance. But for me, I think she she nails it
0: yeah I think also, maybe for you and I, Ed, there is a bit when we went to go see the Disney version. I think you know that's the only white Witch to compare it to, so yeah, there's another when you have Tilda Swinton, who's more like who's more laid back and like not doing so for me, there was that level watching it, like, oh, when is she gonna blow up? She never gets to this lady's level, but that lady starts at eleven.
1: There's no moment in the original where I feel like she might kill a child. Tilda Swinton, for me, the whole time, I'm like, she might kill this person. You guys, I'm sorry, but this is some nostalgia I'm hearing right now. I I know that you appreciate the -the over-the-topness of it, but Tilda Swinton's performance is night and day better.
0: I think the real Barbara Kellerman might have killed somebody, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's why she was on set.
1: I think I think just generally the performances in the older one they are TV performances like they are a little bit yeah. more scenery chewing and over the top. I, I but I expressed this before with the kids like I feel like they are not committing enough in the new one. Right, in the new one, right? Yeah, uh, I did right. want some of that. Uh, so I, there is a balance, I would say. You right. Know? Yeah, and I think I appreciate
0: the smaller scale of the TV show. I mean, I know it's it's TV, so it's going to be smaller scale. But again, it feels more personal, and it feels more like, you know, mysterious. And Ed, the Mm. score, I'm so glad you brought it up. Like, that score, like, sometimes I just find myself humming it at random. It's so, (laughs) it's so good. Yeah. Is there stuff in the BBC version that you feel just flat out did not work?
2: um for me i think i mean some of the, the costumes are of its time like yeah. i think like the, the beaver costumes less than like like mrs yeah, beaver yeah. i'm pretty sure there's a scene where she just could not turn her neck at all <laughs> like she, she was very visibly facing the camera the whole time so i mean there's things like that which uh, take it back um but then there are a couple a couple of interesting choices like um edmund having a conscience like a, a second oh, yeah. edmund talking to himself that's an interesting yeah. um but uh, probably it's a good way of getting more of that information, particularly if this is a show aimed at kids, rather than just relying on a kid actor to portray through his face. Oh no, I regret this. Actually, mm-hmm. hearing a conscious voice uh, coming back yeah. at him, saying, "What have you done?" I, I think that's it, that's pretty interesting.
0: I do love the the scene of you of where his conscience speaks and just says, "You told him you betrayed your own brother and sister."
2: Yeah, it's a
1: sort of convention you would see on like a TV show. Uh, yeah. where that's very useful, I think, for a kid audience. Like, as an yeah. adult watching it for the first time as a man, like, uh, it felt schlocky to me, you know? Mm. But, like, mm. if I were nine, that would be helpful.
0: Now, let's get into the... 2005 version. Ed, how did you feel going into the 2005 movie? Did you see the 2005 one as a child?
2: Yeah, I saw it as a kid. Saw it in the movies. Was it a Christmas release? I'm pretty sure this was a christmas Eve movie for me and the family. Probably. Something like that. Mm. Yeah, I remember being excited to see it. it, For me, it feels of its time. And you were mentioning Harry Potter before, and I think that's interesting. For me, this has always felt like a diluted version of Lord of the Rings. Uh, For me, this has always been... Disney going, right, we've just seen amazing success with three huge um, Lord of the Rings fantasy films. Let's do our version now with Narnia. And for me, it's always felt like it's trying to do that, and that, for me, is where it lets itself down. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I remember going to see it in the movies and looking forward to seeing it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember as a kid, like, when it was over – I just kind of, and I forget how old I was. I think I was like seventh grade, but I remember thinking, like, I think the old one's better. <laughs> like, that was just kind of my vibe. I was like, like, this was okay, but I feel like the old one's just more, I'd rather watch that than this.
2: Yeah, it's, it's bizarrely, the older one feels more gritty, um, which is, <laughs> <Yeah>. is, is <laughs> interesting. It, it's not a horrific movie. It's not terrible, no. but I mean, as well for me, I think, Around that time would have been when I would have been reading the books, or just before that. And so for me, I was also right. like, right, well, here they go. They're going to do all seven. This is going to be so exciting, because Lord of the Rings has just done it. Like, let's see if they're going to do it. And it didn't. Like, they did a couple of films after that, but none of those to any real success. Um, no. And I think that comes back to whether these books are even – whether you can translate them to film, whether they can be translated elsewhere.
1: Yeah, it's it's just like hodgepodgey source material. I think why I compare it to Harry Potter in my mind is because like I it, they I don't know a lot of kids who read the Lord of the Rings series, right? Like that was an influential movie series for kids, but right, um, right. you know, kids were reading Harry Potter. Uh, but like when I watched the movies, uh, it's like you said, it's like they rated Doctor Who in the old one. Even the new one, when you look at it, I'm like, there's like minotaurs and random ogres and trolls. Like the source material is just like generic magic stuff, you know? Like it, it just <laughs> right. isn't a very clear vision for the world, which really bothers me in fantasy. I like it when there's like a clear, like, this is what happens here. This is where we are. So I don't know. I, I don't want to dunk on a really classic piece of lit, but there there were just moments where I was like, this feels like it's synthesizing a lot of different things uh, to sure. tell a Christian story uh in a stilted way so i don't know if this was ever gonna feel like it could stand on its own two feet like i feel like it's significant that i'm like this feels like diet harry potter in a way and you're like this feels like diet lord of the rings yeah it's because this feels like an imitation even if it were you know if it was written before it's just not like a pure fantasy kind of thing it's just like a lot of stuff thrown at the wall
0: well before we we Go too hard into our dislike for it. Are there things that you guys liked more in the in the Disney version? Mm. I'll say for me, I I like I like Lucy a little bit more in the in the Disney one. Yeah,
1: Lucy in the old one is like Susan Boyle to me. Like she's just. (laughs) Oh, oh, Mitch. I'm sorry. She she's just not even acting. She's not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Lucy's great in
1: the new one. Uh, but she's the yeah. only one who has the edge, I think,
2: over the old cast. There are some really good moments with the CGI. Uh, Liam Neeson's voice is pretty great. Yeah. He's a pretty great Aslan, which I... Uh, he's not someone that I would have expected it to have been, but now, looking back on it, years later, going, oh, that's who they chose. Interesting choice. It's Qui-Gon Jin. Yeah, I, quite, I dig it. I dig <laughs> it. Um, again, the, the score... I don't hate the score here. It's It's obviously very different. This one feels more like a uh, a mid-2000s fantasy mm-hmm. adventure score, which is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's some nice moments for, for Gregson Williams here, and there's some nice uh, nice things. But, yeah, other than that, I, I, it doesn't work for me. But
1: It's weird because it is, like, 75 minutes shorter and it felt slower to me. Yes. Like, watching the TV version, I was like, oh, great, we're in Narnia right away. Like, let's get right to it. Yes. where it just takes forever in the new version to get going. Uh Yeah, yeah there's, I don't know. I'm, it's hard to come up with things I like more in the new one.
0: And again, I feel like they dial up Peter way too much in, in this one. Because, you know, like, in reading the books and seeing the other one, it's like, Lucy's your main character and Edmund's kind of your secondary character and he, but he's going to have the arc. Like Lucy's kind of like the, the straight man and Edmund's the one who's going to do all the make all the mistakes. And then you have Peter and Susan who are like, they're kind of in the background, but you know, whatever this one, they try to make him like, I I've got to be a man. I've got to do other stuff. And there's just like moments that really confused me on this rewatch. Like, um, the moment before the battle, when Peter looks at the um, what what is it? The horseman. The is a it a centaur? Mentor? A centaur. Central. A centaur. Yeah. When when Peter looks at the centaur and says, "Are you with me?" and he goes to the death. I was like, "Why why are you talking to him?" I was like, and I had him. I was like, "Why wasn't that Edmund? Why don't you put Edmund next to him? Like, it's an easy fix. Why isn't his brother next to him saying to like." It's just weird stuff that happens in the movie, and I don't get it.
2: Yeah, the, the whole last battle, to me, which is, what, 20 minutes? Something like that? Yeah. just, to me, yeah. feels like a, even at the time, I remember feeling like this is a CGI. This is just a fight for the yeah. fight's sake. Yeah. Like, there no, um, there's no guts to it. Like, there, there's no real yeah. reason for it. And it just felt like spectacle rather than uh, purpose, which is a shame after you've had some amazing things and particularly coming out when, I mean, Aslan's like that stuff is, there's some really cool moments there. And both, um, both versions, I think can really dig into his death scene and that stuff. Yeah. Really interesting manner. And I think there's some, a couple of interesting things that I noticed on a rewatch both times. Um, sorry to, to tangent here, but in both of them, I noticed that when Edmund comes back, Edmund speaks to Aslan on his own and both versions, we don't, we don't hear those conversations and we don't hear what that is. And neither do the siblings. And I think that's really interesting. That like, is this thing of, well, he's coming and he's asking for forgiveness from Aslan, Jesus. Um, and it's a personal thing. It's a private thing. It's not a public thing. And I think yeah. that's really interesting. And it's then about his relationship with his siblings is then him going and talking to others, but his actual relationship with the king is a completely personal thing, which I I found very interesting that both films did that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The line, what's done is done has always resonated with me. How Aslan says like, it's time to move on. It's in the past.
0: Right. Well, and I also, I think that the other one exceeds with, it does more with less in a lot of ways. Like, the scene where they're all just kind of like, "Oh, Azan's gonna beat that witch," and then the old one, Edmund, just says, "Don't underestimate the power of the witch." I was like, the delivery, that line, it has some weight to it. Whereas in this one, when Edmund's like, "We need to stay and fight with these people," I've done horrible things to help. I'm like, we don't need it. We don't. we don't need all this dialogue, man.
1: Like, I will say, I totally agree, though, Ed. I forgot, like the the crucifixion scene. I'm sorry, the death scene. Uh, it it's incredibly frightening. Uh, even rewatching it uh, for this, I, uh, I thought it was really, really scary. I really think the best stuff in the new one, I, and I'm really surprised to hear you guys have such a strong disagreement, is like the Tilda Swinton stuff and the Aslan stuff. You have a traitor in your midst, Aslan.
2: His offense was not against you.
1: Have you forgotten the laws upon which Narnia was built?
2: Do not cite the deep magic to me, witch. I was there when it was written.
1: Everything else, I can take or leave, honestly. But everything with Jadis and Aslan.
2: Yeah, I mean, it may well be a a Nostalgia Goggles. I can get that. But for me, Tilda never feels scary. She feels... Her whole first scene with Edmund, you read that and it's very she is being a relatively nice person. It's it's very straightforward. Whereas I think there has to be, I, maybe it is just because I'm so used to to 88 version being so flipping scary. Like she, for so me at least, she, she always came across as like, I mean business and I am scary. And even on that first encounter, whereas here for me, Tilda is just like, oh no, it doesn't matter. And no, you can't have more and whatever. Like, yeah, for, for me, Tilda doesn't work. Aslan, Aslan does here. The, 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 his image really works.
1: I think Tilda works for me more because it's like the duplicity of it. It's like sure, she tricks sure. you, she pulls you in, and not to be on the Jesus train. I yeah. mean, we I do love Jesus, but like it's that is in my experience more what the allure of being pulled into sin is like than like sure. a big scary thing. And what like what would motivate Edmund in the older version to join the witch is. Because beyond me where in the new one uh, well, can I, that is more clear
0: can i well can i say you you were talking about it i think because edmund is also kind of at 11 and she is at 11 as a kid yeah. i bought it like oh edmund is like the kind of kid like when you were in school and like there'd be yeah. a mean sub and the one it. kid would be like yes like you know that's totally true i think yeah and i think that that and i think that that hinges on that kid's performance uh and and again like i think that again the kids in in this one are all pretty good too i think you know lucy and and edmund are probably the two best actors of that bunch yeah i think it just it has a little more their dynamic between edmund and the witch and the old one has a little more weight for me yeah i i I, I agree
2: because i think Maybe it is because it was watching as a kid, but you're like, oh, well, he's a nasty piece of work. She's a nasty piece of work. They deserve each other. Whereas in this one, it didn't work quite to the same extent.
1: Well, that's sort of interesting because it feels more like an actual character, a human being in the old one, the way you describe it. Cause one of my issues I feel like with these characters, then, and, and this is the way I see the source materials. It's like, they're just supposed to be emblematic of like various yes. character traits, right? Like yeah. Peter the Magnific- Like it's literally that's what it's doing. So I am a little insulted by the core story of like Edmund's a real jerk. Because you can be a sinner. I'm like, that's kind of insulting, right? (laughs) Like, Sure, uh, sure. But in the older version, what I'm hearing is like the whole like you deserve it kind of thing. I don't know. That's that's more compelling to me than just like, well, yeah, he has to sin so he can be forgiven, you know?
0: Right. I I think to me what the narnia books have always been about children rediscovering their childlike faith right because in yeah. in magician's nephew the boy's about to lose his mother and she's really sick and you know it's, it's too much for him and he gets to go to narnia he gets mm. to kind of you know reestablish everything and you know these kids they're taken away from their home because of the bombings that are happening yeah. in london and they have to like you know kind of rediscover their childlike and it's kind of like that that's what goes through all the books jill's getting bullied in the, in the seventh one and it's too much for her like, that's always been, you know, the theme of Narnia has always been childlike faith to me. And the Disney one feels a little bit more like if you go to Narnia, you get to play with cool swords and kill people. Whereas in the old one, it's like there's something to be discovered, like, about yourself.
2: Like, yeah. and I, I think, and I, I agree with that because, sorry, because yeah. I think, like you said, in a lot of ways, the characters are kind of bland, uh so right. that you as the reader, the child as the reader, puts themselves in in it, yeah. as opposed to a very clearly defined Harry, Ron, Hermione type.
1: Yeah, which is a common right. thing in children's lit, right? Protagonists yeah. are usually a little bit more blase. Uh, but Zach, it's interesting to hear you say that because you mentioned earlier, you know, Lucy is like the main character of of the thing. I've never seen it that way. I've always seen it as Edmund being the main character. That's the main Ooh, story. So sure, you sure. resonating with the theme, right, of uh, childlike faith and discovery, right. that makes a lot more sense to hear, right? That's the central right, part of right. the of the story for you.
2: The 2005 version is not inherently bad. No, it no, just, no, To it's me, fun. it always felt like a watered-down Lord of the Rings. For me, it, as a kid, it just felt like, well, why would I watch this if I've got Lord of the Rings? And for me, it right. lost some of the heart that made the 88 one so special. Even though, like, something s- stupid, like Father Christmas, which is a weird mm-hmm. scene, like, admittedly, yes. is a weird scene. But I don't think they actually mention it's Father Christmas in the 2005 version. Am I wrong? Yeah. Do they actually say well, no, Father Christmas?
0: Yeah, they do. not say it, but at the end, Lucy has that little, told you he was real.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's stuff like that, which, which I don't know I why. It just kind of felt like Disney just were keeping it very clean very as safe as possible yeah um rather than delving into it (laughs) well Disney's making
1: this for america and china and you know like i was really shocked like the the series made almost two billion dollars like they're actually very successful for disney which shocked me because they're pretty bad movies so
0: they did something (laughs) well the other the other thing another thing that I wanted to talk about in comparison and it's weird because I know the performances are over the top, but a lot of times the appearance of the characters in the original, like um, I really, really prefer the professor in the 88 version to the newer one, and I think they're both fine actors but I think the other one there's kind of that level like he seems like a nice old man but like, you know, he's kind of a nice old man whereas the other one you see him and his hair is going out all these ways and he has the weird glasses and he's always, hello! Whereas you have a guy like he's talking, and then all of a sudden they're like, "She's found this this magical land," and he just has that moment where he's like,
2: "Oh, wow! Oh, yeah. well,
0: let's yeah. let's talk about it."
2: And and for me, having having read it over this this lockdown, I've been reading some more C.S. Lewis actually, and, and really enjoying mm. going over some of those books. And for me, it's suddenly realizing that here Lewis is in kid version spelling out his um his argument for the belief in Jesus, the whole. Uh, He was either mad, he was a liar, or he was the son of God. I mean, that's an argument. It's a famous argument, the one that he puts forward in one of his books. I can't remember which one. But here, when they're speaking about Lucy, well, do you believe Lucy? Yes. Well, either she's lying, which if you don't believe that to be the case then she's mad. If she's not mad, then she's telling the truth, as implausible as it seems. And then that's an argument that he had for faith and for Christianity as a whole. I mean, it's it's amazing to look at that now and go, oh, he's he's bringing in some fairly deep theological thoughts and ideas and making it kid-friendly and kid-palatable, even if you don't realize it at the time.
1: Mm. Right,
0: without it. that being super on the nose, because like you guys were saying, like a lot of the Aslan stuff is super on the nose, but it's nice that there's those other little pockets as well.
2: Well, I mean, you, you say that, but equally, I'm... Watching, watching it this time, I was thinking about some of the kids that I'll be teaching over the coming year and like going to camps and all that sort of stuff. I wonder whether playing some of this to them would be an intro Whether they've seen the Narnia films. I'm curious as to whether this might help spark conversations or get them mm. thinking about mm. faith in a different way. Just because it it's such a nice... It can be a nice way to get into it. And I think it's the cynical adult who looks at it and says, oh, yeah. it's, it's so obviously Jesus and it's so obviously this... But actually, Mm. as a kid, this is just Aslan. You care about Aslan, and like the scene, particularly in the eighty-eight, where he his mane is being chopped off, like is a pretty disturbing and crappy scene. And then, when you start to then look at it with a new um, uh, what a new lens as you get older, yeah, then it suddenly becomes a bit more meaningful. So I think it's interesting, interesting mix between those two.
0: Well, folks, it's about that time where we're going to use our manners Netflix for a couple years now has said that we have the rights to Narnia and we're going to adapt it. It they've been saying it's going to happen. We don't know, but I'm curious now that we've talked about it and we quite literal have an we quite literally have an opportunity to ask for more. When I present you more, I would like for you to give me a yes please or a no thank you. So Mitch I have this uh, package of fruit snacks here. Would you like one? Uh,
1: yeah. If if it's a Netflix shaped package of fruit snacks, yeah, I I do want that. Yes, please. Um, I think the reason I would say yes to that is because with more time, there is more opportunity to delve into the nuances. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, like to be clear, one of the smartest people around in his time like he taught at oxford and cambridge a you know like a really big deal in the christian faith really really smart guy i just think when it's boiled down to you know a 90 minute movie you're really just getting the skeleton framework of the gospel story uh and for many i think that feels familiar so if you have the opportunity to go deeper and to expand it oh my goodness i want all of that yes yes please
0: Edward would you like more narnia?
2: I think I do, but I just want <laughs> I don't know. It's it's really hard. I wonder whether it's doing something that's not live. I wonder whether it's something animated, something like that. Mm. Because I think again we a lot of the conversation we've been having here tend to be about the child performances and that sort of stuff. And if this whole series relies on child actors and particularly if you're trying to do all seven books, you either need to film that very, very quickly and be very planned and very like to the to the detail with what you're going to do, or maybe it's finding another way, maybe animation, maybe something clever like that. I dunno. But I would I think it would be a, a, a childhood dream I like, to see all seven books in some order. Whether I will be disappointed <laughs> may well happen. But I think there's something about it that I'd love to see a, that clear um, cycle which happens through, through all seven. It would be great to see, mm. see that actually play out over multiple movies or multiple seasons of a, of a show. So, yes, I will probably be disappointed. Um, and I don't know why I'll be disappointed, but I probably will. So, yes, please, Netflix, <laughs> I think, I think.
0: I will, and I think I'll round it out, and I'll say that this is kind of based more on what I've seen come out of Netflix with um, shows like Stranger Things, which, you know, the show started good, kind of ran out of gas a little bit, and after most recently watching Dark Crystal, I think, you know, seeing them handle this crazy fantasy world that's um, so lore-heavy in a lot of ways... I think that if there's anyone who could do it it would be the people at Netflix. So, I think that there's I think that there's a good TV series to be had that, you know, you could aim it at kids I think. I think that's really the way to do it when you try to make it more for adults I think it just would be kind of lame. But I think, you know, a 7 season one book per season maybe not the horse and his boy but i think that that might be the best way to do it is on tv i would love to see mr and mrs beaver as jim henson puppets but people can dream so i'll say
2: yes now now that you've spoken about crystal i mean maybe that's what i want
0: conclusion if you haven't seen the bbc narnia i would suggest checking it out it may seem a little dated it may uh take a little bit to get into but there may be a lot of hidden treasure in there for you so anyway we've been the godfellas make sure that if you're listening that you give us a five star rating leave us a nice review also you can head over to the real boys on facebook instagram twitter Ed Millcrease, thank you so much for joining us today. This is a pleasure. Where can people find out what you're working on, and are you working on anything exciting that you can talk about? Ooh,
2: that's a real pleasure being here, guys. Uh, my fiancé and I have just finished doing an immersive audio walk, uh, which for those of you who are interested, it's a free-to-download um, audio walk, and it's uh, based on Lord's Prayer. Uh, so it's a devotion, it takes about 30 minutes You walk around somewhere in nature And you get to listen and have a devotion as you go So it's a fun thing We've done the first one of those And we've had some really nice responses So if more people check it out And more people want it, then we'll do some more uh, But you can find that on SoundCloud uh, It's called a, a Walk with the Lord's Prayer So
0: We'll drop a link in the show notes And where can people find you Ed, if they want to see what you're up to
2: uh, if you want to find out more about immersive theater stuff, I write for a website called No Proscenium, like the front of the stage. There's none of it. No proscenium. Uh, you can read about immersive theater things that are happening right around uh, North America. So check me out on there if you like.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for joining us, Ed, Mitch. Great to see you as always. And make sure that you tune back in next time where we'll be talking about I Can Only Imagine... That's bound to be a whole lot of fun. So anyway, I've been Mr. Zach.
1: I've been Mr. Mitch. And I've been Ed. And I'm ready to rumble She put me on the table